Welcome to the See Me Now podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Coleman, here with my co-host, Caitlin Birdsall. And we are joined today by Colorado Mesa University Assistant Professor of Occupational Therapy, Victoria Warner. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So the occupational therapy, um, it's a master's program here at CMU, and it is relatively new. Can you talk about why, um, for short, we call it OT, why OT was important to bring uh, to CMU and to have a a master's program here in Western Colorado? Oh, that is a great question. Well, occupational therapy generally is a career field in which there are... um, there's a great need for individuals to serve in these roles. Occupational therapists help individuals with activities of daily living. Uh, Here in Colorado, we actually only have one other uh, master's level program currently in operation and one doctorate program, and they're both um, in the front range. So we don't really have, you know, in the Western Slope, this area that's really between Salt Lake City and Denver, um, we don't have a program to serve the needs of this more rural, but very large region. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned we we do have this very large region. There's a lot of need for, um, I think, healthcare professionals in general, but occupational therapy, if we can talk a little bit about what those therapists do and how they serve individuals, because I think there are various um, age groups, different demographics of people who are really needing um, occupational therapists. And, and there's just really hasn't been a, a program where they're, you know, getting that education, pushing through and then going out into the field to, to serve and, and help the community. So what, what do these OT, what do these OTs do? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we serve a population across the lifespan. So zero to 100 plus. Um, and our role really, when we say occupational therapy, we don't mean, uh, yes, we can help somebody with their occupation, their job, but what we really mean is their everyday daily occupations. So it can be something as simple as helping an individual after a stroke who is going through uh, rehab in the hospital environment, helping them get back to reaching their feet so they can put their socks on. Or it can be something as complex as helping an individual relearn how to drive and operate a vehicle after a, um, a traumatic brain injury. Um we can work in the NICU helping position babies and um, ensure proper feeding, um, as well as end-of-life care. If somebody, say, is on hospice, um, how, might we, um, how might we help them with pain management and positioning and um, comfort measures to ensure that they feel um, well and fulfilled in their final days. Um, so it's a very meaningful role. It's a very, it's not a black and white career. (laughs) Um, there are, we operate from a social model rather than more of a, a medical model. Um, and yet we operate with the other medical professionals. Um, and so we uh, we are a little bit more creative in our approach. We think outside the box. We think about the person. It's a little more humanistic. Um, but yes, we do we do it's a great career in that um, 
you know, the average occupations in the United States, I think the need is like 7%. Um, and, and yet the need in occupational therapy for practitioners, I think is 17%, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics last time I looked. So the need for um, individuals to enter this career field, to serve these populations, especially as we get older, um, and have a lot of aging baby boomers is just, um, it's enormous. So we're really excited to have a program that is fitting this need, not just, you know, um, nationally, but especially on, on a local level. So before we dive into your clinical experience, I thought it'd be interesting to go back to before you became an OT practitioner, and you actually worked as a history teacher in, I believe, medical, middle and high schools. Can you talk to us about kind of that evolution of your journey of going from a history teacher to an OT practitioner? Yeah, I'd be delighted to. Um I actually began my career as, yeah, a social studies teacher at the young age of 22. I um, taught, like you said, high school and middle school. And I remember looking around my classroom, and perhaps part of it was my young age. Um, but also, I, I think I looked around that classroom and realized that, wow, I don't know if I'm really serving the needs of these students that yes, although history and, and learning, you know, that why events in our ha past have um, shaped who we are today is very valuable and so important that some of these students, what they really needed was um, life skills so they could show up in my history class every day and succeed. I realized there was an occupational therapist who would pull those students out um, because occupational therapists also work in school settings. Um, and and help those students um, with the job of being a learner, of being a student. And those students would come back in much more focused um, and have the tools that they needed to succeed, um, whether that student had ADHD and now was bouncing on a Swiss ball in class so they could focus um, or, or utilizing a planner. Um, it didn't have to be something revolutionary to make a huge difference in their performance in my classroom. I think that was kind of a light bulb moment for me because I didn't know what OT was. Um, I thought maybe they actually worked with hands, that they were just hand therapists, which is another area of OT. Um, so once I discovered the breadth and the scope of this meaningful career, I realized ah, I have to do it. So I left teaching to pursue graduate school. I got my Doctor of Occupational Therapy. Um, it's a clinical doctorate, so it takes three years. Um, you can be either master's level trained or doctorate level trained um, as of currently to, to, to receive your license as an occupational therapist. And I, um, my last six months of OT school, my capstone project was um, in Colorado, which um, was very intentional. <laughs> uh, like many people, I really strove to be in the mountains. I worked at the Breckenridge Outdoor Education Center um, teaching adaptive skiing. So individuals who were blind or visually impaired or um, quadriplegics that helped them get down the hill safely utilizing adaptive methods and techniques. I, you know, you are just talking about this world that is so vast and it, and it varies, but it's so important and it is so meaningful. 
But I imagine it's also very difficult and challenging and um, at times just really sad, you know, and you come home and you think like, wow, I'm so fortunate. I have all these things, you know, my my body works this way. My, you know, everything seems to be, um, I don't know, put into perspective some. How do you how do you live with that? How do you manage that? And when and how do you, um, you know, still give your all to, to those who need you the most when you have your own life back at home. Oh, Kelsey, that's such a good question. Um, it is a career, I think, that requires an individual to be an empath, to to sit in another their client's shoes, right? To see, gosh, how are they functioning in the world? What are their, um, because of their disability, um, how is this decreasing their function and their participation and their meaning? Um it, it can be challenging to every day to walk into an environment knowing that somebody might not be receiving the care or the help that they need. But um, as the person that can help them reach that improved level of function, there's also a lot of power in this role. It's really it, it's amazing to go to work every day. And if somebody say, I often work in the ICU, somebody has been in a terrible car accident and um, a major trauma and has been mechanically ventilated for weeks. So, you know, utilizing a breathing tube um, and I'm able to help them sit edge of bed for the first time and wash their face. That is just so powerful. Um, and so I think utilizing everyday interactions to see, to note the progress, to, to reflect on, yes, this person is vulnerable and went through something, but to be able to share in their journey of recovery, it's a really powerful experience. I think that few other providers get to, to witness and that really makes the job of an occupational therapist really meaningful at the end of the day. When you hear you talk about it, it definitely sounds like it's OT is an art and a science. So it is science backed, but then there's that art component of knowing each individual and what they need and how to get them to where to where they are. So I love getting to hear about it from both of those perspectives. Mm, yes, I agree. I think what's really powerful Caitlin, is that we look at not just the physical, but we also um, the psychological and the emotional. And that we all know, of course, that to be human, we are not automatons and that we can't put us in a box and look at function from only, say, a medical perspective, but that motivation um, and prior life roles might play a great part in an individual's um, desires to, to get back to an activity and how can we utilize that to help shape their, their progress and their return to their prior level of function. 
And one thing too, I wanted to touch on is when you first came here to Grand Junction, you actually worked at St. Mary's and you continue to this day. And while you were working at St. Mary's previously, um, you are a certified brain injury specialist and an assistive technology practitioner. Can you tell us a little bit more about those two roles and what those entail? Yeah, absolutely. Um, to be a certified brain injury, injury specialist, um, it's a really intriguing role. Um, probably one of my, I think it might be a, my favorite aspect of my job. Um, and, and part of it actually is due to, um, a previous experience that I had, um, that sought, that helped me really reach and seek out this role. Um, Four years ago, I was in a major motor vehicle accident myself on I-70. My car rolled five and a half times, and I was really lucky to survive that accident. Um, however, it did require um, my, I went through a Roger large rehab experience myself. Um, I was had many broken bones, including um, um, a couple of spinal surgeries, and um, couldn't work for a year, and did experience, I admit, um, a, a pretty decent brain injury myself. And I think people are afraid oftentimes to talk about brains and cognition because you don't want to ever come across as unintelligent or like that your brain is struggling um, or that you're feeling, um, but you can't comprehend something and there's, you know, naturally embarrassment behind that. I think that my own journey through my recovery and recognizing, um, how important <laughs> the brain is, maybe the most important of all of our functions. I think that really influenced my, um, my desire to become a certified brain injury, injury specialist. In practice, that means oftentimes that I will, you know, after an injury, assess an individual's cognition. And that doesn't just mean, yes, it can mean a paper and pen exam, right? Like um, a standardized assessment, but oftentimes it's from a functional perspective. Um, can that individual sequence um, how to cook a simple meal, the steps, and and perform that safely, um, or um, can they have the emotional regulation when faced with a challenge to process an appropriate, socially appropriate response? Um, brains, we all know how complex they are, how little we understand about them. So it's been a very satisfying role for me um, to help individuals when they have a, whether it's acquired or traumatic brain injury, recover from those experiences. Yeah, I, I think, you know, when you, there's so many different facets of trying to, to heal somebody when they go through something so traumatic. And one of those is finding their sense of self. And maybe some people don't think, oh, well, that's part of what an OT practitioner does is, is help them find who they, you know, maybe not even maybe who they are now, but it might be different than who they were before. And I'm sure you have plenty of stories of, of helping individuals find their sense of self. And if there are maybe some listeners who have gone through something traumatic and 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 need some sort of uh, a person in their corner kind of saying, hey, you know what, 
there's some things you can do every day to, to, to work at it, to, to find your meaning, your purpose, who you are as an individual. Is there anything you can say today that might help with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that we often forget uh, how our meaning is actually tied to the things that we do. Sounds so simple, right? <laughs> of course, um, our identities, though, when we think about who we are, we're, you know, I'm maybe I'm a mother, maybe I'm a student, maybe I'm a sister, maybe. Um, I am a truck driver. Um, And when those identities after a trauma are taken from us and we can no longer perform them, it is a very difficult, not just from a functional perspective while you're healing from that trauma um, because of the pain of that trauma and your limited abilities Um, to do your roles, but also from an emotional perspective, that void, um, that lack of purpose is, is maybe more disabling. And so helping individuals find ways to adapt their processes or compensate so that they can remain engaged in those activities again, um, has been an incredibly meaningful part of my job. Um, and, OTs are different in that they use assistive technologies. Um, I know um, I, I didn't clarify very well what an assistive technology practitioner also does. Um, but we, we utilize maybe if somebody, say, f- no longer has the capacity to u- be verbal, maybe we'll use a tablet to help them um have the ability to point to different images to spell out or point out what they need. Um, Maybe we'll utilize a 3D printer to make them an adaptive device so they have a universal cuff and they can now feed themselves um, with with this new tool, whereas before they couldn't quite um, perform um, hand-to-mouth um, so I, I guess what I'm, I think I'm saying in a roundabout way, um, is, is that there are lots of ways for me to, for an occupational therapist to reach and fulfill, uh, with alongside, of course, uh, the goals of the client so that they can find meaning again, um, I think that's really at the end of the day, the core of, of what we do. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of times I think where uh, an, a person will go through something really traumatic. And I know athletes, for example, you know, they go skiing, something terrible happens and they're no longer a skier. Mm-hmm. And so that identity that they've always had is, is lost. And there's that balance of, well, I survived, I can walk, maybe I can do all these things and I can't ski. So I should be grateful that I have all these other things going on, but it doesn't necessarily help them find who they are today. So it's really great that there are people like you out in the world to, to help them with that. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. Appreciate it. Um, we're so, so thankful you're here and, and that the OT program is in Western Colorado. Thank you so much for having me. It was, it's an honor. Thank you for listening to the See Me Now podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.